Well, whoopity do! The roller out the barrel, vintage baseball podcast. Talking to vintage baseball players from coast to coast, and some would say border to border. Uh, we have a uh, one of the Roller Alta Barrel Show extra episodes tonight. We we lost a guest this week due to unforeseen circumstances, and I tried, man, I tried to get a guest to fill in that that spot. But you know, it's the busy time of year. It's a really hard time to nail people down to a certain time. So, especially in a couple of days. So, uh, so here we are. So we just uh, done got done doing some recording. That's fantastic. And we are going to we're just going to talk about a topic here and throw that out there tonight. Rudy, how are you doing? I'm uh. I'm doing pretty good. I'm a, I'm a little nervous. I'm not gonna lie. You know, uh, you posted that you posted that uh, that that post on Facebook, and almost immediately it started getting responses. So, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, there's something people love to do, and that's complain. And then you know what they love to do more than to complain? Complain about the people who complain. Absolutely, that's. <laughs> That's uh, that's it's an American tradition like no other, much like the masters. Uh, <laughs> so uh, when you're talking about controversy and you're talking about uh, pet peeves of vintage baseball, the first name that comes to mind is Mike Marbles Feeney, the captain of the Canton Corn Shuckers, because uh, he always has strong opinions on these kind of things. So we thought we would get a hold of him. And we did. He's driving in his car right now. Say hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Oh, God. And uh, we figured we would let him come on and scratch that vintage baseball itch before he jumps onto the ice and, and plays some hockey. Mike, what is a pet peeve of yours in vintage baseball? I feel like all of those subjects I'm hearing every third word he says. He said, "Oh, I heard everything he said." It okay. said he said that uh, he said that there's a lot of topics that were discussed that he could touch on, or that he <laughs> thinks we could touch on. From but he's, like, he's not allowed uh, to. He gets one. <laughs> well, he well he he mentioned um, sunglasses and and Apple watches being worn during the game, um, which was a was one of the early responses we got. I believe it was like the second responses. Uh, uh, bringing that up. And I feel like uh, Marbles might have some thoughts on that. Well, Mike, I don't know. Is your radio on? Are you listening to Christmas carols right now? I am not. Okay. Yes, oh, good. Thank good. You. Uh, okay. Nice and loud. You're going to have to, you're going to have to speak a little bit louder than your normal speaking voice uh, on this one, but you don't have to scream, but go ahead and give your rant. Okay. Apple watches and uh, stuff. Yeah, I think there's so many things that 
know, it, it's straightforward. Something from the 1800s, and not every little thing is just always being accurate. We're not taking a horse and buggy to every game, everywhere we play. But because that's just, you know, unreasonable, honestly. But there's so many things where I feel like we could do better. Something as simple as not playing in sunglasses or taking off a watch before you play is a very minor adjustment to make that really improves the presentation of the game. Yeah, there's a lot of minor stuff that can be done. You can't do anything about the major stuff, and they, it doesn't even need to be addressed, that kind of stuff. But there's so many little tiny things that don't take much effort, and that's what this episode's about because I feel the same way about certain things, and we're going to get into those later. But let's stay on Mike's topic. The Apple Watches, uh, the sunglasses. Here, uh, Rudy, what you're a captain uh, along with Mike. Have you had to deal with some of this and have a talk with somebody on your team? I, I've 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 had to deal with um, uh, sl- sleeves mostly. Like uh, you know, some players get used to like, oh, I can't play without my compression sleeve, and I'm like, well, you need to roll your your t-shirt, your your capital shirt down to cover it. That's that's the um, watches, not so much. I had one player with transition lenses and I just went straight up to him and I'm like, uh, are those prescription glasses? And they're like, yes. And I was like, okay. So, and then I'd have to go tell the, the, uh, the other uh, ma- uh, club manager about it because yeah, I mean, it's something all managers come across. And the reason that it is such a, uh, it's a minor thing that is made into a big thing is because it never fails. Anytime people are on TV there's a uh, print in newspapers or posts on social media. There are always individuals in those pictures, either wearing like sunglasses and their 19th century uniform, or they have an Apple watch when they're swinging the bat or just a regular watch. Honestly, I mean, it, it's, it's something that definitely makes it look like um, a part-time hobby rather than, you know, just committing with this minor thing and, and, and just fully committing. Mike, have you had any issues? I can't imagine that, that you have, but you never know. I'll ask anyway, any issues on the corn shuckers ever on any of those things? Um, there's never been anything where it's just like a large, like, there's, you know, little minor grievances that I have, you know, with the guy wearing, or, you know, a rubber, or, you know, we have guys who wear like pretty kind of compression sleeves, but we've never really had anything major. Um, it's probably tough too, you know, as a captain, because I feel like most captains are aware of these things and do the best they can to properly wear as much of a uniform as possible. But sometimes it's, you know, doesn't the message always doesn't get passed along and isn't received as well when you're telling other people how to do it. I think sometimes just because you're telling somebody else to do something, they just go, ah, no, I don't care. And, you know, you can either make it a deal or you can let it go. And it's just one of those things, right? I just feel like it's such a minor thing that if as a community we kind of crack down on it, it would help tremendously. I agree. Yeah, it's it's something that if you do not say, how can I put this, follow the rules, uh, that's not exactly how I mean it. 
If you're a club that modifies something to your benefit or just because you're trying to appease everybody on your club, you've started a snowball at the top of the hill that's going to roll all the way down into a giant snowball. You can't modify a rule, say something we're going to talk about, do a modern lineup, and then tell somebody, take off your sunglasses. <laughs> Look, you have to commit to all of the small stuff. There, There is no, ah, but we like to do this. No, screw you and your you like to do this. I hate that answer. No, it's, it's, it's. But there are a lot of teams that do exactly that. Well, great. It annoys me. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. It's just a domino effect that how are you supposed to tell somebody on your team to act a certain way when you're not even formatting the club in a way that is accurate? You're all wrong. You're wrong. And go ahead. And Rudy. I'm I'm just gonna take I'm gonna take the moment to address the elephant in the room because I'm sure that uh, people hearing me engage in this conversation are <laughs> automatically going to be like, well, somebody wears white shoes. Oh, we're gonna talk about. And <laughs> my my question to those individuals are, do you know what the brand of those shoes are? Uh, no. Oh, you don't because you can't tell because the entire shoe is white and you don't see a logo. Uh, oh, okay. Bitter. Thanks. Bitter party of one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, my question on the white cleat on the white cleat. My question is, were those metal spikes or were they rubber cleats? Oh, they're uh, uh, Mike in my old age. If I wore metal spikes, I would not be able to walk for an entire month. They have to be plastic. So okay, was that was that a requirement of the venue at the time? Oh yeah, well at the time when I when okay. I donned the first time I donned the cleats, it was a requirement that the cleats be plastic. Okay, well I feel like that right there breaks any color dispute. As well, metal cleats or metal spikes or uh, apologies, yeah. plastic spikes didn't exist in the 1860s. Yeah. So as soon as they go, you have to wear these. The whole color thing's out the window. It's kind of right back to the, oh, we're going to play by this rule, but not this rule. Exactly. So yeah. as soon as it goes to the plastic, who cares what the color are because it's inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I don't I don't fight on those hills. I like to choose my battles, and that's not – I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to be like, okay, cool. And, and you know, I, I – I, Some venues require it. You know, sometimes yeah. there's not even up to the team. You know, it's – we play at this nice venue. They request this. This is how it has to be, you know. Yeah. Be prepared to get different color cleats. That's just, yeah. That happens. That's. <laughs> uh, white cleats are in pictures. The end. What? Why are we discussing this? There's pictures of people in white cleats. The end. Goodbye. What? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's just fun to pick on Rudy. <laughs> uh, there's so many other things we can get to, to are, pick on Rudy. Are there pictures plural or is there just one singular picture? Like that time they thought uh basement had to play two strides with the back. <laughs> there was also a picture. There was a picture of that, but uh 
Uh, I have no, seen it's multiple pitchers. I personally have seen multiple pitchers from different clubs. So mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen pictures of two tone cleats. I've seen I've seen definitely a dark and a and a white pattern. So it wasn't like everybody wore black black cleats. So yeah. All right, Mike. Uh, you want to get in your last word on this before uh, we let you go to get back to driving? Uh, I just collectively better, and it would be very easy to do. And I think this upcoming season, if everybody makes a conscious effort to wear one less modern item or hide one more logo, I think it'll greatly improve the visual aspect of what we're doing agreed yeah man uh, thanks for uh thanks for jumping in mike uh be safe and well yeah. during your hockey tonight thank you very much yeah good Have luck out on that pitch is that what they call it in hockey a pitch it's a rink i don't i haven't heard that it's a skating uh, rink a what it's yeah good luck at the hockey match is it a match <laughs> or a game okay i'm cool. not is sliding allowed? Going, Is you. sliding allowed in hockey? <laughs> they will sever a corroded artery. All right. Have a good night, Mike. Have a good one. All right, Rudy. Uh, yeah. Mike could actually talk for three hours on this subject. Uh, yeah. I'm if gonna... he wasn't, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, look, I'm going to sign off and you guys just go into the wee hours of the evening. But, uh, so Apple watches, they drive me crazy. Sure. Logos is something that has been on the tips of vintage baseball tongues since the beginning of the reincarnation and people are still doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, do you think people, let me ask this. Look, I understand people have clothes that they they have from softball or whatever and whatever, and you you can't just go out and buy new things all the times for whatever you you know you. Mm-hmm. But some of them are just they don't give a crap, right? Yeah. I mean, look at you can see my Adidas logo. I don't care what you think of that. Yeah, I mean if. If that's what your makes or breaks your interpretation of 19th century baseball, then let's do, let's rethink because, um, and I've stated this in the past and, and it's probably not popular, but this is how I feel. Um, if a, if a person is showing up, uh, they're paying the money to make the trip, they're putting on the uniform they're helping me get nine guys out on the field. If they have a logo on their shoes, it's not going to be the end of my world. And I'm not going to stop them and be like, Nope, come over here. I'm, I'm coloring your cleats. I'm not, that's not the most important thing to me. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm right, but that's just how my approach, because I, I, especially in a, in a community where getting commitment and uh, retention of individuals is 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 uh, an issue. Uh, I want to do everything I can just to get guys out on the fields. Correct, and you have to take that into account when you talk about these kind of subjects, 
because that becomes much more of a problem year in and year out. Uh, yes, but you would. Mm-hmm. So getting getting a full roster on board with with the vintage aspect mm-hmm. is something that certainly has to be preached from the very beginning and has to be policed by everybody on the team if you really want it to be mm-hmm. successful. You can't just have it fall back on the manager. Yeah. And and it's it's all lead by example. It it all it's all what it is. And and for individuals who are want to harken back to our first topic, and they're like, well, why would you say something about a, a a watch or sunglasses? Because those aren't necessary to play the game. Like No, because everybody uh, else, when you're playing 18 guys, you're one guy with a set of sunglasses on. You're just the one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have seen, I think I can trace back to where my aggression started on these topics is there was a pitcher with sunglasses, a big gold chain, uh, a watch, and yeah. he was just like gimmicky, like a wrestler trying a bunch of gimmicks for his character. And it was like, what the hell are you, you just want to be noticed? Like, what is going on here? And yeah. So that's for my, I, I'm not gonna, it was at the first year, <laughs> the first year I did the festival though. It was a team at the festival, uh, first year. Yeah. And, uh, it drove me absolutely crazy. Let's look at the Facebook. I knew that when we brought this up, we'd be getting some topics and we're not going to stay here too long, uh, yeah. tonight. But we just wanted to to go over some things and maybe have some people talk about it. It's a Christmas season. Let's not get too angry. Uh, Amen. And Rocky Johnson was the one who brought up uh, the watches, bands, and sunglasses. That's obviously a pet peeve of his. Uh, Landon brought up how this was interesting. Uh, And I have not uh gone through this but landon was uncertain <laughs> about the interpretation of a steal on a muff or a pass by the catcher and quirky gaskell uh basically shut him down saying it's there is no rule because it shouldn't be happening because that's not the yeah. rules of of baseball yeah uh what is it it's not a rule it's a custom type situation uh, it's uh yeah it, it's a spider. Uh, Marcus Dixon once explained vintage baseball to me. The reincarnation is a spider web. Once you change one rule, then a bunch of rules have to change to accommodate that one rule. So now you did not change one rule or modify one rule. You've modified many rules by changing that one rule, and you get this big spider web of misinterpretation and that's why you shouldn't be changing anything to tell you the truth yeah but it it's it's one of those things that have it's it's the ripple effect it started and then it's it's kind of uh, made its way and spread its way throughout the community as 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 have many customs which are not rules. And that's always, I try to have a little bit of empathy and understanding when I encounter individuals who say, uh, well, this is a rule. And then I, 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 I'm not a jerk about it at all. I try to be like, well, actually it's, it's actually not a rule. And I understand where you got this from, but that's not the rule. So 
Yeah, that would be one of them. Uh, here is Paul Hunkley's uh, explanation of this. I want to read this. Steel, this is good. Steel on a muff is the vintage equivalent of getting a base hit on a fielding error. Steel on a muff is a term that was created so clubs could continue to forbid stealing, yet state that if they have stealing, because stealing was a commonality and part of accurate play, and they want to be able to say that they are accurate by having stealing and yet not allow it. So basically he's saying is, we allow a stealing on a muff. Yeah. It's not yeah. accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think, I think what's important is, is that there is like just a, and we say this all the time. And I've heard Corky say this is that like, it's just an upfront, honest conversation with the people watching the game saying, no, they actually, there was stealing and it was quite prevalent in 19th century. This isn't, this is a custom that we're using today, but now we have discussed uh, some of these things in the past, but the the funny quirky thing about vintage baseball is the rules never change. There can nope. be no new discussions <laughs> about these things. Uh, so that means we're going to bring up fair foul and oh, you know what, John, 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 I see you, I see you, John. <laughs> <laughs> okay. he did that on purpose so fair foul didn't exist in the rules but my we agree on this we agree even though i kid you all the time and to no end about your fair fouling yeah we do agree on this and what i say uh-huh. about the fair foul is men are men and they're always going yeah. to be men they're always going to be trying to take that little advantage, find that advantage, mm-hmm. just that little thing, and turn it into mm-hmm. the, something for them. And uh, yeah. you can you can point to one million articles of baseball to me, and I still will believe that men were smart enough to look at that rule that says if the ball hits in fair territory, no matter what happens after that, that's a fair ball. You can't tell me there weren't people doing a fair yeah. foul. It just, there's no way you will not convince me. I don't care if it's not recorded. It happened. It's common sense. That's, that's been my philosophy um, for a while. I, I did have someone I uh, uh, state that, they believe that the hit was more of a purposeful line drive down the, like either the third baseline for a right-handed hitter trying to make it. And I was like, okay, that makes that. Yeah. If they're, if they're trying to do that, why wouldn't somebody try and just hit the ball in front of the plate? And, but yes, it, it is. I believe that it definite, my interpretation, my belief is, is that, we cannot be so bold as to state unequivocally that it did not happen at all just because it's not documented in an article or a newspaper. Um, Baseball is being played everywhere. And I'm sure, I'm sure that somebody was smart enough to figure it out. They had rule changes for a reason. So they had to change the rule for a reason. That's what I feel. But that's why I want, 
uh, to get rid of the verbiage that says baseball the way it was meant to be played because they didn't yeah. think that. So why do we have to think that? They change the rules every year. They it, didn't. It's, mean- it just it just looks good on a poster. <laughs> they didn't. And mean people it. are like they. People like to harken back to the old days and when 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 men were men and 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 things like that. I I uh, it's something that is still in my repertoire and I only used it with frequency at the world tournament and I only did that for you, Barrel Roller, and 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 Mike Ossie. I did it for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, Midwest baseball playing baseball the way it was meant to be played. They actually play it the way it's never been played. <laughs> baseball, the way it's <laughs> never been played is the way it should be. Say. That should what, be the thing. <laughs> like you've never seen before. Ever. <laughs> uh, Brian Skirvin uh, brought up people getting uptight about uniform authenticity. Uh, here's what I will say. I think there was an argument or something about the uniforms on something in Arizona. Uh, here's what I would say about that. So I'm going to be, I'm not going to answer the way you think I'm going to. I think that the number one eye-catching first love at first sight thing with vintage baseball is the uniform. I will mm-hmm. always say that's what gets your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. If you're not portraying an accurate uniform, I don't care. Like, if you look good and you look, if you look vintagey, now I know you're wearing mm-hmm. like modern uniforms or anything, but, but there's a lot of 1867 teams out there wearing knickers. Yeah. Which wasn't a thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can take the correlation that the 1867 teams are mostly more a bunch of softball players and that's what they're used to. So that's why they Mm -hmm. go to the knickers is because they're used to knee high socks and baseball pants and stuff like that. And it's the closest thing. And, and if you've played baseball and or softball your entire life, and then you move to vintage, are you, do you feel like a ball player in a pair of Dickies? I, I've never been a ball player to feel that way. So when I slap on a pair of Dickies, it doesn't matter to my ego. <laughs> so I can wear any uniform, whatever, <laughs> don't care. Uh, I just don't want to wear. So so clubs are blurring the lines of the years, but they're still wearing something somewhat uh, of a presentation piece of, of the 19th century baseball. Your thoughts? Well, well, yeah, I mean, because I mean, some of these clubs might not have. The Capitals are lucky enough that we have an actual description of what the 1866-67 Columbus Capital Baseball Club looked like, and so we had that. We had that to go off of. We built our uniform to recreate that. Some clubs might be forming, and they may not have that history, so they have to figure out something. And and I think this, I mean, this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways. There's a difference between what Brian is saying and a difference between I've got my vintage, my my 19th century shirt on, but I'm wearing uh, track pants. Um, I've got my vintage bottoms on and everything, but I'm wearing a dry fit t-shirt. 
that there, there's a difference there between an, an authenticity. But yeah, I agree with you, Barrel Roller. Like some of the, the clubs that caught the eyes and attention of people right away in the early days of vintage baseball were the ones that stood out. Were they 100% 19th century accurate? I don't know, but they looked great. And, and people watched the games. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, I love, uh, the teams, what they come up with for their uniforms and their colors, and they all do such a great job. And, and I would say if you take the 100% accuracy out of it, I think vintage baseball, the community overall has done a pretty good job, job on their uniforms. I, yeah. You know, we all talk about each other's clubs, uniforms and all that stuff. And Oh my god. Our favorite uniforms and these <laughs> these conversations wouldn't exist if everybody was screwing that up. So <laughs> so I know Rudy I mean, and Rudy and I are always bashing Midwest finish baseball, but let me give you a thumbs up on the uniforms everybody. Yeah, I mean we I mean we got Bay, <laughs> as long as we got Bay City and the old goals donning a brand new uniform every other month, you know, we'll be okay. The old goals do not do what Bay City does. They've got the grays, they've got the whites, they've got they've yeah. got so much. They got grays, whites, and I think there are some yellows in there at some point. Probably. No, and they've those been guys. around for they're a while. classy. I think everybody <laughs> should just change to red and white. There you go. Well, that's every, already happening. Every, that's <laughs> it's already happening. We, we need more red and white in vintage baseball. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, Rudy, is there a topic that you wanted to, uh, you know, hit? I don't, on? I mean, just cause he's such a fan of the show. I want to, I mean, Bobby Murkowski, uh, get over it. Bobby. Had, had did, he did ask, he said, Touching the base with the ball on a force out and it being called not an out. Um, and it that's a it feels I feel the weight of that comment. <laughs> I feel that there's some past trauma there. <laughs> Bobby, I just want you to know you're in a safe space, buddy. And we hear you and we see you. Okay. And I know you're gonna listen to this episode. <laughs> And and it is a silly. So for those who don't know, uh, we'll explain the scenario. So you grab the ball, force out, say, force at second. You're, you're scrambling. You crawl over to second base and you touch the base. You touch the ball to the base. And uh, it has historically, and I mean in the sense of like, you know, the past decade or so, not been an out because they are, uh, it's claimed that, the ball is a piece of equipment and not an extension of your person. So therefore the actual individual never touched the bag. So the runner would be safe. And that's, it's a tough pill to swallow when you hear that. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think clubs are getting, I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. So that is something to, to that to get, suggest that somebody's fingers aren't long enough to make contact with the 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 base as you touch the ball to the base is is tough, but yeah, it's something that gets called an out in just normal gameplay and argued about in tournaments. Oh gosh, 
Yeah. Yeah. There ain't, you just, uh, it's just one of those things people just can't let go with common sense. Look, that's an out. I'm sorry. It's an out. Let it go. You don't know <laughs> if a finger touched the base or not, man. You can, but you know what you can tell is that you were out. That whether their finger touched the base or not, you did not do yeah. good enough in that at bat to get on base. <laughs> so you turn around and you go back to the bench and you shut up. Okay, you're out. <laughs> and I don't somewhere know somewhere Helen of, is hearing this and cussing. <laughs> I don't know what side of the fence I am of Bobby Murkowski. We might we might have to argue about that one. I don't know what. I, uh, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't. Well, I, I hear he's a real uh, he's a real bulldog, and you don't want to make him angry. Um, the word on the street in Rumortown is is that he's just you know a bully. So yeah, you don't want to. Nicest bully I ever met. Uh, <laughs> all right, well that's gonna bring uh to a close this this abbreviated uh, edition of Roller Around the Barrel Show as we talked about vintage baseball pet peeves. There are hundreds of them. But we just wanted to bring up some. I know you guys are going to talk amongst yourselves and be polite. And yes. be polite to each other and see. Uh, look, look uh, there's there's a few teams that I think don't do a very good job with vintage presentation, and I'm friends with them. I don't care. It doesn't get it doesn't affect my life, you know? <laughs> Like I'm not like I can't I can't have these people in my life. I just it's not like that. Let it go, guys. It's just vintage baseball. It's just a topic of discussion. Nobody cares a lot. Next week on the show, uh, we have uh, a couple a couple of really good guests. We have from oh I don't remember his name. It's uh, a let me look it up here. We have Paul Menser. Uh, coming out as our first guest from like the St. Louis area. So we're going to learn everything about Paul Menser. And I'm sure we'll have tons of questions about the baseball scene in the St. Louis area. And mm -hmm. that is the main. But in our warm up, uh, we are talking to, I am not going to find his name in time for this. David but, Blanchard. Yeah. That's it. Good job. If you Thanks. go if you go on Facebook to the Field of Dreams report, uh, there's a gentleman who lives in, uh, I believe it's Los Angeles, that deals with the Field of Dreams. Everything that is has happened, everything that's going to happen, as you know, that there's a giant project currently, right now, underway, building a bunch of baseball stadiums, little league fields, and blah blah blah, and they're I guess I don't want to give my opinion on this. Uh, I'll save it for you can you can feel the pain in my voice. Stupid. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, that's where our love blossomed. He's a movie trailer editor in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. So he's going to come on. We're going to talk everything about the Field of Dreams site from beginning to now to the future. And I think vintage baseball players be highly interested in that segment as it uh, definitely affects you as vintage baseball mm -hmm. clubs try to reserve time to go play. Is it going to change the viewpoint of the community when 
there's still going to be corn, I assume, but you're going to see dozens of baseball fields. And I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Don't tip your hand too much. Leave yeah, some for just, it just uh, gets me angry. I mean, we've been talking about pet peeves, and now we're talking about uh, Field of Dreams. Well, we'll have another airing of the grievances episode. We're going to do one next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So thanks for everybody uh, for listening. Sorry for the no interview this week. Stuff happens. It's the first time it's ever happened, by the way. I've. But I also I also think that sometimes the listeners like to check in with us. So it's important. I love that we got this time. That's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, <laughs> nobody cares what we think. <laughs> So, uh, thanks for, oh, by the way, uh, if you listen to our recent episodes, we have been giving you guys information on how episodes have been doing and, and what's been doing this and blah, 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 blah. As far as, uh, our top 10 episodes we just gave out on, uh, a recent episode. I don't want to say which one, cause I don't remember. And I know that when we got up to number one, and number one at the time we did that episode, it was just like last week or the week before. Yeah. Uh, At the time, uh, we said, no, and number one is Anthony Canino, by far the number one episode. And I believe the words, and we'll never be caught, came out of my mouth. Yep. Well, that's wrong. And uh, we, we... we have a new number one downloaded episode on Podbean Ooh. for the podcast, and it was last week's episode when we spent time with the gentleman from the Crestline Highlanders, the Heritage Cup champions in the uh, Southern California Vintage Baseball League. I don't know why, and I don't know how, and I'm not going to ask questions, but they went smoking by everybody and destroyed Anthony Canino and are now the number one episode, and now it's not even close again. Like Anthony, a, TC, you got to get back on it. Start <laughs> listening to that episode over and over, buddy. Well, yeah, I think you can only listen to it once, but whatever. <laughs> so, so somebody was knocked out of the top ten, and uh, we're not going to give names, but uh, we will, we will uh, in the future give yeah. you updates on the top ten. So you can see where they were. Like this update, uh, Coco Hayes went back ahead of Mike Marbles Feeney for the Canton Core Checkers. So yes, let's create some dissension between those two. So yes. so Coco is now the third most downloaded episode uh, now, and has knocked Feeney down to four. So wow. Anyway, uh, you can see that two of the episodes that we have done somewhat recently are in the top 10. So you can see the trend of what's happening here. The very smart podcast host brings in his friend who's a really good podcast host and knows more about (laughs) vintage baseball and is much more likable. Brings him in so we can put on this vintage baseball show and... And you see the trend, obviously. It's right in front of you. So Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly it. <laughs> we 
we do know that I can tell you something unequivocally. Rudy, I will be shocked if this next statement doesn't come true. We are releasing an episode on December 23rd. That's a top tenner. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's a top tenner. Yeah. It has to be. It's it's some of the best things we've ever done. Yeah. It's definitely, it's a highlight (laughs) for me in my podcasting career. So going to be amazing you know every every week i get to see you and talk to you that's the highlight of my podcasting career i was lonely Aww. for two and a half seasons <laughs> whatever it was there. was it oh so, something like that <laughs> so uh yeah as we're coming down to the end of the season we only got five interviews left and we got a couple of uh, here and there's uh we're probably uh due to this this week uh probably gonna have to double up here in a week Sounds good to me. I love talking to you. All right. Uh, Rudy, get us out of here. Folks, this is the Swamp Fox for the Barrel Roller, reminding you that we're all doing the best we can. Keep it station to station. We'll see you out in the field. Recording stopped. <laughs> Check! Check! <laughs>